Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the 360 Preps podcast. We are back for another week. We said we were going to do these uh, every week, and so far, what are we, five for five, five now? Five for five. All yes, right. perfect. Micah, welcome back to the mic. Thanks. So, you know, Jeff, uh, t- you know, he had to, you know, take over, take the reins for me uh, last week, uh, put someone who is actually competent in charge for, for a change, but... Uh, you know, it's it's about 85 degrees outside right now. It still feels like summer, but with regards to the high school football season, it really feels like football now. Uh, league play starts for, for everyone in Clark County this weekend. Obviously, the 2As have been going at it for a while in the 2A Greer St. Helens League. But uh, uh, this Friday, we see the 4A Greer St. Helens League get started. Um, with uh, Camus and Heritage and Skyview and Battleground going at each other. We have the 3A Greater St. Helens League getting started with Evergreen versus Fort Vancouver, Mountain View versus Hudson's Bay, and Prairie at Kelso. Uh, The 2As obviously have another uh, big week in their league schedule, but we also get the 1A Trico League going with um, uh, Columbia White Salmon at Castle Rock, Stevenson at Seton Catholic on Saturday actually, and then an interesting matchup, uh, Kingsway Christian versus La Center. the game that I think is going to get the most attention in the area this week is, is a non-league game. And um, uh, I, it really feels like we're, we're seeing a preview of the playoffs when you look at Union the last couple of weeks. They go to number four ranked Chiawana last weekend and just put a smackdown on them. Uh, you know, at the time Union was ranked number three, uh, Chiawana was number four. Union dominates that game with a, a quick burst at the start of the second half and ends up winning, what, 41 to 9? Right. Yeah. And so Union, do, no, no break for the Titans. Uh, they host 7.30 p.m. on Friday, uh, uh, Puyallup. And uh, we're talking about your newly crowned number one ranked Union Titans in the latest AP rankings to come out today against the number three ranked Puyallup Vikings. Andy, you're going to be there. I um, am. I'm going to absolutely defer to you two because um, you guys have covered Union this year and I have not seen them play. Um, I'm very excited for this Friday's game though, especially with the new rankings, one versus three. I'm excited to follow the Twitter updates of this game. So I know Hawkinson Woodland, where I'll be at, is obviously a big game between two undefeated teams and two-way, but um, this has to be probably one of the best, if not the best, foray matchups um, statewide. You look at Puyallup, and this is the team I think going in the season maybe had a couple question marks in the South Puget Sound League. You look at the last maybe eight or ten years going back in Class 4A, for example, there's been a top-heavy when it comes to teams reaching the state championship games. I'm talking about Skyline, when Jake keeps, and then Max Brown leading them to a number of state championships in 4A. Bothell, for a time being, um, was kind of the top dog. And then you look kind of east of the mountains, and Ferris made a run a couple of years back, as, as well as uh, Gonzaga Prep. But really, you look at the last maybe two, three, four years, and you're starting to see South Sound teams, Tacoma, Pierce County teams starting to really make a run, and Piop's one of them. Uh, Sumner is also one of them, and that was a team that Piop beat pretty handily two weeks ago. And then uh, Graham Kapowson, a team that um, Piop beat in overtime last week, coming down to Vancouver, a very impressive 4-0 record. 
Yeah, I mean, Grant Kapowson was ranked number one in the standings uh, last week when Puyallup was able to knock them off. And, uh, you know, there's just something about the 4A statewide this year. And I don't know if it's because just the, the non-league schedule has seen so many top-ranked teams go against each other. We obviously had a number three versus number four matchup last weekend with Union and Chiawana, and a number one Graham Kapowson losing to number six Puyallup. Um, and then at number two, you have Mount Sai, which has a lot of hype around it with uh, uh, anyone who was at that game against Skyview down here at Kiggins Bowl knows their quarterback, Kale Millen, is the real deal, the Oregon-bound senior who is just throwing for an, an amazing amount of yards and touchdowns this year. Uh, the, the 4A really is an entertaining classification this year, and, and we're lucky to really have a part in that with uh, with, with Union, and obviously Camus is, is still a team that can throw its weight around statewide. Yeah, I think realistically it just shows how balanced that the 4A has become. You know, again, in, in the last eight or ten years, it's been the Kinko really dominating. You got the Greater Spokane League sending teams to the state championship game um, in recent years, and obviously the last couple of years has been Richland and Chiawana making some noise. And not to discredit Southwest Washington by any means, Skyview reaching the state championship game in 2011 and Camas in 13 before winning it in 2016, but. Boy, I mean, I, it's hard to predict that we've had so much shuffle in the rankings um, these last just couple weeks, even in Class 4A. So it just shows really how balanced um, the classification is just statewide. Well, I, I just feel like we're, we've gotten by either fortune or, or design, I'm not sure, we've gotten kind of a dry run of, of kind of how the matchups are going to go in the playoffs. You could definitely see some repeat matchups come week 11, 12, or even 13. Uh, uh, what do you think a team like Union gains the most from playing such a tough non-league schedule? There's just really no letdown. I, I think you look at Union, it has to be the toughest uh, non-league schedule in Clark County. Obviously, I think Camus can make an argument with that, uh, falling to Bellevue last week at, at a time-expiring field goal. But it's just the year in, or the, the week in and week out grind can only prepare them um, for a deep run in the postseason. And not every team responds well to that. Uh, you know, Union, I think, has the the athletes and the you know, the, the direction and the, the coaching to really kind of, you know, that, that old slogan of iron sharpens iron. Right, it's, right. It seems like that's the the uh, uh, approach that the Titans are taking with yeah, this Yeah, this, this has yeah. to be probably the, the best game they're looking at preparation-wise, and the winner of this game, I think, really has a really nice chance to be even a top seed going into the, the first round of the state playoffs by the seeding committee. Well, it isn't just the foray uh, that that we see Southwest Washington teams represented in the, the statewide rankings. Uh, Mountain View comes in at number seven in the 3A rankings, and uh, you know, they, they enter their league schedule now, again, coming off of a, a, a challenging non-league slate. Uh, but uh, uh, the 3A, I, th I, I don't think we've seen anything in 3A that says Mountain View isn't the team to beat. Would, would you agree with oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I said this last week. Um, I've been impressed on both sides of the ball with Mountain View, especially the defense uh, in, in recent weeks. Just holding teams to, I believe it's 28 points now in, in four games, and to see a, a team in a league that traditionally isn't strong and once they reach the state playoffs, um, I, I think it's really great. And I don't really foresee Mountain View um, losing in the remainder of the regular season. I think they're just, their depth, they've got talent, and uh, it's going to be tough for another 3A GSHL team to, to kind of knock them down. 
now we we've had uh, the two-way league season going for a few weeks now and Hawkinson obviously unanimous number one across the statewide rankings but uh, they might have their toughest league matchup on Friday against uh, Woodland and and uh, you know, Andy, you've seen you've seen Hawkinson, you've seen Woodland. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, what sort of wild card does Tyler Flanagan, Woodland's quarterback, bring to this matchup that is going to make it a unique challenge? That that maybe Hawkinson, it might be one of their toughest uh, matchups to try to prepare for. Yeah, I mean, he's just so hard to account for in like every facet of the game. <laughs> I mean, you're talking your quarterback, uh, who's top six or seven in the area in passing yards. He's also the top rusher in the area. Um, and then he's your best lockdown he's your best lockdown DB, and he's a guy who on any given kick return or punt return, he can take it to the house. So How many touchdowns does he have when you combine it all? We were talking so about this yesterday. So it's officially 22. Okay. okay. Yeah. Including kick returns. Exactly, yes. It's 22. Singular kick returns. Yeah. From four games, 22 touchdowns. 11 rushing, 9 passing couple of one defense and one punt return for a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy who, like, and not to compare, like, Washougal to Hawkinson, but I covered the Washougal-Woodland game, and Washougal scored with, like, I want to say, like, three minutes left in that game. Like, it was right toward the end of the game. Uh, to come within, uh, to either tie or come within two or within one score, all, all they needed to do was essentially um, – kick the ball to anyone but Tyler Flanagan on the ensuing kickoff, which they had been doing all night. And it just, it was a mishap. The ball went to him and he took it to the house and the game was over. It was like, you, you can do everything right and up until a certain point, uh, the guy's gonna beat you. Um, and so it, it should pose a really uh, you know, interesting matchup challenge for Hawkinson. Obviously they have, um, Woodland's gonna have their hands full um, with Hawkinson's offense, um, which you know, everyone, this season has but uh, well, what do you think Hawkinson does to try to contain Tyler Flanagan I mean obviously he's gonna get his own but uh, uh, you can't if you're Hawkinson you can't let him go crazy and what do you think they might try to do I don't know that's a good question I think maybe you know crowd the box um, you know do some different things that uh, maybe they saw you know Columbia River do to them and their dual threat quarterback and Levi Crum disguising blitzes um, just sending a lot of dudes uh, defensively, um, but he, it's not like I mean he's got a good arm and he's got Alex Bishop, a, a dynamic six six receiver, and he he's got weapons to throw the ball to. Um, so it it'll be interesting. I mean he, um, you know a lot. There are going to be a lot of you know the run pass option. Um, so I'm sure that's what they're going to be working on, um, just mimicking that in practice all week and, and how to stop that. If you look back to last year's game, uh, it was a week four game in Woodland. Uh, Woodland scored 27 points on Hawkinson. It was the most points allowed by Hawkinson's defense in the regular season. Did you cover that game last year? I did, yeah, I was there. And it was a seven point game at the half. And then Cannon Racanelli does what Cannon Racanelli does, with, especially with his, with his legs, and it turned into um, a, a three touchdown lead all of a sudden before you knew it. But um, I was impressed with what the secondary did, shutting down Sawyer Racanelli. And that was the game that Peyton Brammer had a standout game. He had 127 yards receiving and a couple of touchdowns. So I think if maybe they mimic what they did defensively in the cover two last year, Woodland has a very good shot. But I think if Hawkinson starts to air it out like they've done the first four weeks 
it might be a two or a three touchdown lead very quickly. It's just so tough for any team playing Hawkinson where, you know, 4A teams would have trouble matching up against just Sawyer Racknally or just Peyton Brammer. And then you have both of them on the same field. There's not many teams that can match up physically against a pair of receivers that are 6'4 and 6'5. So. I mean, look at the secondary of Woodland, and they just don't, the size matchup, it's just, it doesn't compare. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's where I think Hawkinson has the, the very large advantage in addition to the receivers. Well, we haven't talked a lot about the 1As on our podcast, but uh, I, I'm going to be out at Kingsway Christian in La Center. And th- this is a really interesting matchup to me uh, because in the past, La Center has basically owned the 1A Trico League. Uh, they graduated almost their entire starting lineup from last year's team, which made it to the state semifinals. Uh, so Coach Lambert is starting with basically a completely fresh slate out there of, of you know, players that were underclassmen and saw some action in varsity, but uh, had, had not really been the guys that have carried the program. Well, the center makes a point of scheduling a pretty tough non-league schedule against you know some two-way competition, and, and then they lose a heartbreaker last weekend to, uh, to Kalama on the last play of the game. Uh, so um, LaCenter comes in winless against a Kingsway Christian team that, uh, again, is starting from scratch, but uh, with a new coach, and, and, uh, but a, a roster that I think is starting to kind of gel and pick up momentum. Uh, quarterback Kemper Schrock is coming off a great game where she completed uh, uh, 18 of 19 passes for, for uh, how many yards did he have? Like, Gosh, two, like 290, yeah, 293 or something? Yeah, like in, in a shutout of, of Riverside, Oregon. And uh, so th- this, I think, is going to be a really telling game as to whether uh, – any team can really step up and, and take on the center in the Trico League. I think uh, we'll get a, a sense whether it's going to be a more wide open competition uh, if Kingsway is able to play the center close or if the center comes out and does what it's done in previous years and you know, dominates the game, then I think it, it's, it's another case of the center taking its lumps in the, the preseason and, and then really hitting its stride when the Trico League comes. And we've seen that from them the last yeah. two years, and there's a reason why they made the state semifinals the last two years. But yeah, to see uh, the center potentially be 0-5, that's, that's very hard to, hard to imagine. But Kingsway is playing well, and uh, there's a lot of strengths and weaknesses from both sides, but I think this should be a very entertaining game. Yeah, with their you know fourth court, fourth coach in four years, I think you know, through four games, new uh, first time head coach Brian Rodriguez has got to be pretty happy with what they put forth. But obviously, face a little center team that they've got to be at least like double have double the roster that Kingsway does. Right, it's one of the the biggest rosters uh, for a one A team certainly that you'll find in in Southwest Washington if if not the state. You know, they can just number-wise match up with anybody. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll learn a lot. You know, you, you try to learn what you can from the, the non-league schedule, but you, you really see who a team is when league competition rolls around and those games get a little bit more intense and competitive. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's not just football we're, uh, we're talking on. Uh, you know, we always love a good news story. And uh, one of, uh, you know, 
Andy, you, you've gotten to know Dusty Anchors, the softball coach out at Ridgefield over the last year, and uh, you, I thought told very poignantly his story about being diagnosed with a stage four heart failure, given only a few months to live, uh, really being buoyed by his players with the Ridgefield softball program uh, throughout the season, taking them to state, and just a, a very emotional story, um, not only from his perspective, but also the players who've grown to love their coach so much. But. Um, uh, Dusty's received some good news, which uh, you wrote about in, in today's Columbia. Now, why don't you bring us up to speed on uh, what's going on with Dusty? Yeah, this is a this is a, a really heartwarming story. Um, so last December, uh, Dusty Anchors the uh, was heading into his second year as uh, head softball coach at Richfield. He spent most of his um, adult life up in like the South Sound, like the, or no, in the like Kitsap. County, like Olympic, I think he was at like Olympic High School mm -hmm. up there, um, but moved down here to be closer to, um, you know, his daughter and his grandkids, and um, he, last December was handed the news that he uh, had stage four heart failure, and uh, doctors were giving him uh, months to live and essentially told him, uh, you know, his youngest daughter, Kelsey, was getting married in July and they said we're gonna try to get you to July and so uh, Dusty um, being as strong-willed as he is uh, charged through as the head coach of a really good softball team um, through last season kind of um, not trying to think about the looming uh, you know health concerns and the dire situation he was in but um, you know essentially coaching coaching the season as if it was his last and uh, it was a, obviously a very heartwarming to see the Ridgefield community just wrap him in a bear hug. Um, fast forward a few months. Uh, this summer, uh, Dusty had a couple of stints in the hospital for uh, issues not related to his heart um, and a couple of scares late June, early July. Uh, he was released. Uh, doctors eventually in August uh, told him that he was being downgraded to stage two to three heart failure, and that essentially um, the uh, there was a, a a light at the end of the tunnel, and it, it's given him a new lease on life. And his his doctor, uh, Dr. James Mudd at OHSU, um, told him, you know, hey, you're you're going to be around next July. This is something where, you know, you've we we can we can breathe. Um, and so he walked his daughter, Kelsey Anchors, who, uh, side note, became the first, uh, first uh, known female baseball coach in the state of Oregon down in uh, the Grants Pass area last season. Uh, but he, he walked her down the aisle in late July. Um, and he's just kind of taking it day by day now, look, preparing for a softball season that you know, so many people and doctors you know, didn't think that he uh, would make it. It's just one of those things that's just hard to describe, but it's just a feeling that it's, you know, it's like, oh my God, I've made it over another hurdle. I mean, I, okay, this one I can, you know, I can see some daylight now, you know, and especially with that prognosis of, you know, being around longer than, than they've expected. I mean, I am just, you know, like they were, you know, back in December, when I got released from the hospital, they were pretty dead serious that, you know, hey, this is it. 
our medical records, our cases and everything that we've done, our case studies and everything that we've done, you're, you're just following right down this path. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to get you to July. And, you know, I just, you know me, I, you know, I got that eight-foot wall in front of me. I'm going to find a 12-foot ladder to get over it. And uh, that's, you know, and that's, it's just that positive attitude, thinking outside the box, you know, and not accepting no or you can't do this for an answer. I think that drives my wife crazy, but, and I'm sure it drives other people crazy too, but that's, that's what's just revitalized. It's giving me that energy, you know, to keep going, you know, um, you know, to keep taking one step at a time and know that if, if I do come across a little uh, a bump in the road that, you know, I've got a great team behind me and I've got great support. And, you know, we can get through it. So, very good news for, uh, for a good man. Yeah, obviously the doctors get a lot of credit. The medicine uh, he's, he's been on, uh, you know, I, I, I think he told me when I ran into him out at the Ridgefield Baseball, uh, Ridgefield Raptors Baseball unveiling that they, they kind of just found a, a sweet spot with the medication that's really worked. Uh, Obviously, that deserves a lot of credit. But I think there's there, there's a secret ingredient, uh, and that would be uh, that would be Pitbull, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't expect. Uh, how old is he? 60, 67. 67 yeah, to be yeah. a diehard Pitbull <laughs> fan, but evidently uh, uh, he got to meet the rapper uh, when uh, when Pitbull came to Alena Casino, and and that. Uh, I, I know he he shares those photos like almost like they're pictures of his kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. Uh, I was talking to his daughter Kelsey. I believe it was over the summer, um, about in the month after she had gotten married. Um, just touching base with her and seeing how everything went and how Dusty is, and she just just you know in passing at the end of the conversation offered up, oh yeah, and he you know he went and saw Pitbull shortly after he got out of the hospital and, and it really was like it was before Kelsey's wedding it's, it was like essentially the first big thing he did after his big scare of you know eight days in the hospital <laughs> so uh yeah I just I got a complete kick out of that and he he described the the concert as uh his quote was it was pure energy uh he sat in the front row uh, with his his wife Lori uh, thanks to um a Ridgefield a softball family uh, giving them tickets and and you know there was a meet and greet he said that uh, him and, and mr. 305 uh, broed it up <laughs> so, so he, he's going to be on the yacht in Miami so yeah so it was a funny picture to track down on uh, ALNA's uh, public Facebook page <laughs> <laughs> well we love those good news stories and so uh, you know best of luck to, to coach anchors uh, and uh, we're, we're gonna be really thrilled to see him uh, in the dugout uh, once softball season starts in the spring you know another sport we haven't really talked too much about yet on the podcast is uh, uh, cross-country um, but some interesting rankings came out this last week in the coaches' poll. Um, uh, 
two programs that have not won state titles yet, the uh, Washougal boys and the Camas boys are ranked number one by the coaches. Um, uh, Washougal went to a, a, a high profile meet in Boise where uh, Gabriel Dinell ran in the elite race of the Bob Furman Inv Invitational and uh, uh, placed pretty well um, against some of the, the, the top runner, prep runners in the West. Um, Camus obviously led by Daniel Matan, who, uh, you know, returning state runner-up, uh, has a, a lot of depth, and uh, I think we might be uh, talking about some, uh, uh, some cross-country in early November on a, uh, you know, a state championship level around here, perhaps. Well, it must be that paper mill, right, out there? Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. I saw someone on Twitter from uh, the, uh, uh, was it the Panthers Distance uh, Twitter account that, uh, yeah, the, the, the air, uh, it's... Uh, can't be that bad because ah, <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> obviously you got some you got some great runners out there in, in uh, East Clark County and and so um, uh, then obviously we had uh, we had a little bit of school history at uh, Fort Vancouver uh, last night with um, uh, the Fort Vancouver girls uh, cross-country team winning its first ever league title and uh, Obviously, Owen Frazier uh, took over the program. Uh, when he did about uh, 10 years ago, there, were, there was one girl suiting up uh, for the Fort Vancouver Trappers cross-country team. And over the years, um, he's built that into not just a, a functional program, but a uh, now a league championship winning program that might be a favorite or has to be a, a favorite going into the di district meet in a few weeks. Um, uh, Meg, you got to talk to <laughs> Emily Phelps and Anna Harrison last night. I did. Who were, they, 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 they were pretty excited. I think, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, Owen was wanting to share the news loud, or loud and clear and far and wide. And, and uh, just uh, tell me about how excited those girls yeah, were. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Emily and Anna, uh, the two senior captains, for giving us a call here in the office after their big race last week. It was a three-team uh, event up at Tam O'Shanter Park in Kelso. And as Fort has done all season, they dominated the race. And uh, like you said, Micah, winning their first uh, league championship on the girls' side. And, and talking with those two, it's really just kind of been an evolving process. Uh, when when the, those two seniors were freshmen, they didn't have enough to make a full field of varsity runners. And they just put it on themselves to go in the hallways and talk to their classmates and say, hey, come out and join us. We're, we're trying to build something special. Not just great runners, but great people. And so all of a sudden you go from less than seven runners to make a full team to now than 25. Um, this year, and so it's been a pretty remarkable turnaround and what they've been able to accomplish. And now the results can speak for themselves as a recruiting tool for, for, uh, for years to come. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I, th I think that's always been a, a fun thing about cross country. It's a no-cut sport, so anyone who wants to come and be a part of something is, is welcome. Uh, and now not only are, uh, do you have the opportunity for to uh, show up and be part of, of a team where there's dozens of kids out supporting each other, uh, but you also can be part of a team that is competitive on a league and district-wide level, and uh, that just adds to, to the fun, if you will. Yeah, and this is the team that last year made regionals as a team, and I think they have a really, really good shot at making state at Sun Willows and Pasco. So I think everything is kind of lining up in Fort Favor. Well, and obviously Emily has been a great runner ever since she was a freshman, qualified for state there. And uh, but uh, I think she has to be a, a contender for a top five placement. She's been consistently, you know, 
running you know under 19 minutes uh, you know, on all different variety of courses winning races uh, you know she's learned how to, to win in big races and, and so individually I think you're gonna have a lot of interesting storylines at Pasco not only Daniel Matang at, at Camus has to be a favorite to win the 4a race Kyle Radosevich at Ridgefield Gabriel Donnell uh, Washugal you know, they're going to be contenders for the 2A, but uh, uh, then you, you look at, uh, you know, possibly having, you know, some girl contenders as well with uh, Emily Phelps and then uh, Natasha Lewis and, and um, uh, at La Center, who the, the La Center girls, I think, are also uh, right. They, they bring a lot of runners back from the team that was second place at state last year. And so... It's going to be a fun weekend in in Pasco on uh, November third, and that's always it. Always gets me that event because it comes up so quickly, and you always feel like you're just scratching the surface of the fall high school sports season. And it's like, oh wow, cross country state meet is just around the corner, and then that sort of begins the entrance into the postseason for. For all the other sports, and so that—that's why it's always, I—I I believe, one of my favorite uh, events to go and cover over there in Pasco. Yeah, you look at that, and it's realistically another what three, four, five weeks of postseason fall events before it really wraps up. If some of our teams are lucky enough to play the first weekend of December. Yeah, it, it, that's when it really starts, yeah. when it really gets fun. Another week, week five, uh, the football really gets going with league competition, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to covering it and telling you all about it.